Welcome to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Your host, Leonard Birdsong, is a law professor, a former diplomat, and a former federal prosecutor who's here to inform and entertain you with a mix of humor, opinion, and information. Now, here's Leonard Birdsong. Yes, this is Leonard Birdsong World, and this is Leonard Birdsong Radio back with you, and I'm so happy to be here on Talk Zone Radio. And yes, this show is a unique blend of humor, opinion, and there will be some storytelling today, and there will also be information for you. As usual, I do have the peanut gallery here with me. Uh, let's see, are you there, peanut gallery? Okay, you are there. Good, okay. Peanut gallery is getting a little larger every week. All right. Leonard Birdsong Radio, you pretty girls out there, you know, you can call me Leonardo. Well, at any rate, we're going to talk about some of our dumb criminal stories today, but I want to start with some facts about Abraham Lincoln. You know, last Sunday was Abraham Lincoln's 208th birthday. He's not alive, but he would be 208 if he could have lived that long. Next Monday is President's Day when we honor both President uh, Lincoln and Washington. They were both born in the month of February. These are some things I did not know about Abraham Lincoln, but I thought that I would share them with you before we go on to the dumb news. Did you know that Abraham Lincoln was a licensed bartender in Illinois? Also, he was a wrestler. He was a very good wrestler, and he lost only one of 300 wrestling matches he was in. As a matter of fact, he was posthumously honored in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. I guess he was such a good wrestler because he was so tall. He was six foot four. Most people weren't that tall, and I guess if you're that long and lanky, you are probably a good wrestler. Finally, did you know this? Abraham Lincoln hated the nickname Abe. So don't call him Honest Abe, folks. All right, here. Well, I just guess you didn't know about those facts, neither did I. I just wanted to tell you. But now it's time for the dumb news. Some of these stories are from Florida. I like coming on and reading them to you. I've been collecting them over the years and have several books of these weird and funny criminal law stories. This story, the first one, comes from Florida. Here's the headline. How utterly stupid. They call this one a rip-off tip-off. A thief stole two men's wallets only to drop his own in an awkward getaway attempt. Lavoris Pace is his name. He's 28 years old. Allegedly pulled a handgun and demanded two pals sitting in a car to hand over their money in Panama City, Florida. This is according to a police report. Pace ran off with $600 in cash, but police found his wallet near the scene of the heist leading to his arrest. How stupid. <laughs> Sticking with Florida. The headline of this one read, Free Samples or Spree Samples. A 20-year-old Florida woman was arrested after she sped around a Walmart store in a motorized shopping cart, munching on rotisserie chicken, sushi, cinnamon rolls, and downing it all with a bottle of wine. Joseline Lopez allegedly consumed $32.36 worth of food and beverage from the store. 
Of course, she was arrest- arrested for a shoplifting, and the report says it was a shoplifting beef. <laughs> Got it? A shoplifting beast. <laughs> All right, Peanut the Gallery, you finally got it. Yes, it's funny. Okay. All right. All right, folks. Okay, let's see now here. We've got some, we've got some news bits coming in. This is my, my research assistant. She's sending me some things over the fax machine from the school. I'm going to read some tidbits, but let's stay with this dumb news right now. This, this thing is going crazy. I can't cut it off. All right, next story. Okay, okay. Jesus, she's sending me so much stuff. All right, another story from Florida. The headline, assault with a deadly weapon, baby. Police report that during the 4th of July weekend this past year, an 18-year-old mother was charged with using her infant son as a deadly weapon to bludgeon her boyfriend at Daytona Beach. Daytona, Daytona Beach police arrested Tatiana Allen of Ocoee, Florida, for swinging the baby like a bat during a fight at the beach. The police report indicates that the six-month-old baby boy was taken to a local hospital where it appeared that he was doing fine. We now learn that charges have been dropped. Assault with a deadly weapon baby. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Well, that's not really funny. I shouldn't be laughing at that. Here's another one. Let's go on over to Alabama. The headline, Big, Big Fright. It has been reported that an intruder wearing nothing but a Ronald Reagan mask and a sock covering his genitals gave an Alabama couple quite a fright. Bart Yancey saw the skulking man in his front hallway when he went to take out the garbage. Upon seeing Yancey, the masked intruder ran off without taking anything or hurting anyone. Nothing but a Ronald Reagan mask and a sock covering his genitals. All right, here's another strange one. This one's from Arizona. Burrito smuggling? Some snack, huh? Said the headline. A woman was arrested for smuggling a burrito stuffed with a pound of crystal meth over the Arizona border from Mexico. Customs authorities discovered that Susie Laboran's Mexico food had an extra kick to it after drug-sniffing dogs targeted her bag. Her bag. The bag allegedly contained two burritos, one of which held the speed. The meth was valued by customs agents at $3,000. My, my, my. All right, let's jump over to China, and let's see what the the uh, peanut gallery thinks about this one. The headline from this Chinese story, they term it China's forbidden fruit. It's been reported that officials have banned videos in China of attractive people eating bananas. Web firms have been forced to crack down on users, often beautiful women, who stream videos of themselves chowing down on what is considered the phallic fruit. Government officials started cracking down on such videos in May 2016, declaring a war against inappropriate and web and erotic web content. So what do you think of that, Peanut Gallery? 
I guess they don't like it. All right, there are more stories here. Here's one from Colorado. Nuns on the run, it says. A man hopped a fence and for some reason chased a little old nun around a convent. The nun chaser was but one of three rogues who've jumped over the six-foot fence at the Littleton Carmelite Order of Discalates Carmelites in the past year. We learned that the nuns have since asked the city for permission to build an eight-foot-high fence. Good luck. They'll probably come up with a nine-foot ladder. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. All right, Peanut Gallery. That That's good enough. All right. I'm not finished here. I've got at least one more story. This one is a little longer. It comes from Australia. And I want you to hear this. Here's the headline. Quote, wife crashes her own funeral. Husband horrified that she was alive. What a story. Early in 2016, Miss Nuella Rocundo sat in a car outside of her home in Melbourne, Australia, watching as the last few mourners filed out. They were leaving a funeral. As a matter of fact, it was her funeral. Finally, she saw the man for whom she had been waiting. She stepped out of her car, and her husband put his hands on his head in horror. Why? It was just five days earlier that he had ordered a team of hitmen to kill Rukunda, his wife of ten years. The hitmen told her husband that they had killed her, but they never carried out the crime. The hitmen had taken the money, but said that they did not kill women. Her husband wailed, I'm so sorry for everything. Too late. Rukunda had called the police and her husband, Balinga Kalala, ultimately pleaded guilty and was sentenced to nine years in prison for murder. That's where he belonged. He belonged in prison. What a story. What a story. All right. Okay, folks. I've got some more time here. I'm not going to read any more of these dumb criminal stories, but my my uh, research assistant was sending me so much stuff, I figured I'd better read some of this now. Here's a tidbit that she sent me. This story is like 78 years too late. But the headline reads, Munchkins Groped Julie. Now, strike that. Munchkins Groped Judy. This is Judy Garland. The story. Judy Garland's third ex-husband claims in a newly found unfinished memoir that the then 16-year-old actress was foundled on the set of The Wizard of Oz by who? By the Munchkins. These were the little people in The Wizard of Oz, midgets. They thought they could get away with anything because they were so small. Sid Lufkin wrote in Judy and I, My Life with Judy Garland, according to uh, the news purport. They, uh, he goes on to say that they would make Judy's life miserable on the set by putting their hands under her dress. <laughs> the book which left, the book which Luft had been writing before his 2005 death wasn't discovered until about a year ago. Now, um, Amazon is releasing the book next month. One witness to the film or the filming described the Munchkin actors as unholy, an unholy assembling. Nope, let's start that again. 
One witness to the filming described the Munchkin actors as an unholy assembly of pimps, hookers, and gamblers. <laughs> I've never heard that. We don't think of the Munchkins as that. Now this story is this story is seventy eight. Okay, yes, booing is, is proper. Seventy eight years ago, all this happened, and it's still in the news. Well, let's see. Since I had to start these tidbits, do I have any more? Probably most of you watched the, the Super Bowl, and uh, there's a headline in the news that Lady Gaga scores big. One of the biggest Super Bowl winners was Lady Gaga. The superstar halftime singer sold about 150,000 digital albums and songs in the U.S. on the Sunday of the Super Bowl. That's a 1,000% increase over the day before, according to Nielsen Music. Sales of Lady Gaga's song, Born This Way, Bad Romance, and Poker Face all spiked. Her album sold more than 23,000 downloads, and she had over 125,000 song downloads. Her best-selling song was Millions Reasons, Million Reasons, with 45,000 downloads. That's very impressive, folks. Well, anyway, that's enough for the dumb news. We've got a big show for you. We're going to talk... Uh, about one of my stories. I always say that my story or my program is about humor, opinion, storytelling, and information. People have said to me by email, why don't you ever tell any stories if it's about storytelling? Well, I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to me in court several years ago. However, we're going to probably just go and take a break for a few minutes, a pause for the cause, I always call Call it, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about that story from my courthouse days. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio. Stick with us. There's more to come. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited, nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet radio program. And now you can read more.
more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com. Welcome back to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Yes, this is Leonard Birdsong back with you on LeonardBirdsongRadio.com. I was a federal prosecutor in Washington, D.C. for several years. My home was in Washington, D.C. I wasn't born there, but lived most of my life there. I was considered a homeboy. Went to Howard University there. And when I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office, that's those are the federal prosecutors, Generally, federal prosecutors just do federal crimes. But in Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, the federal prosecutors do the local crime as well as the white-collar federal crime. So as a result, we used to do bank robberies and drug deals and local murders and robberies and conspiracies. So you got a lot of experience. This story is called Judge Reggie Walton and Me. My first year in the U.S. Attorney's Office, I showed real promise. I had been in a law firm where I did civil work before I joined the the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. as a federal prosecutor. So some people took me under their wing. Reggie Walton was a star in the U.S. Attorney's Office during my first year. He had been there several years. And uh, in my first year, he let me sit second chair with him in a murder trial so I could learn and see how it's done the right way. He didn't let me talk. He didn't let me ask questions. He made me carry the bags to court, which is a time-honored tradition. And I sat there, second chair, handing him documents when he needed them and things like that. That's what second chairs do. At any rate, it was a great experience in my first year to see my first murder prosecution as well as to be there sitting in the well of the court. Well, years later... Reggie Walton left the attorney's, U.S. Attorney's Office and he became a D.C. Superior Court judge. That's a local judge in the local court. And then he went on to be a drug, uh, deputy drug czar and uh, then later was appointed to the federal court and he still sits on the federal bench in Washington, D.C. right now. But before he went to the federal court, he was still a D.C. judge, and I was in private practice, and this was in about 1996 or 1997. Uh, I started teaching in 1998. Reggie Walton called me up and said, Birdsong, I want to appoint a case to you, and I want you to handle this. It's going to be an insanity case. I know you've done insanity trials as a prosecutor, and you know a lot about it. So I want you to get the file. I have it here. Come on over. My secretary will give it to you. Get the indictment and go over to the jail and get this ready. Get this guy ready for his insanity case. Well, I did all of that. And yes, I did know a lot about insanity. The last five homicide cases I handled before I left the office all had an insanity defense in them. Well, let me just tell you a little bit first about insanity. Insanity is not a medical term, it's a legal term. Being mentally ill is a legal term, but not a 
is it being mentally ill is a medical term, but not a legal term. But here's what confuses students. You can't be insane without being mentally ill, but you can be mentally ill and not insane. So the point is, it's, it's a really crazy thing. I went down to the jail. I won't tell you the client's name. He was a twin. There were two of them, but this one was in jail. He was in jail on a murder charge, and uh, he wouldn't talk to me. Usually when you go down to the D.C. jail, you take the indictment down there, you read it to the client, and then you tell them this is what the government says. What do you say that happened? Well, I couldn't get his attention. As a matter of fact, he was a pretty good artist. He sat there with a sketch pad and a pencil, and he was drawing pictures of handguns while I'm trying to get through to him. I spent about 45 minutes. I knew I wasn't getting through. So I said, I'll be back next week to talk to you. So I went back to my office. About a week later, before I got back to the jail, he called and said, don't come back here. I don't want you as my lawyer. Well, I couldn't take that. So, uh, you know, Judge Walton had appointed me to this case. It was my obligation to go back to the jail. So later that week, I went back to the jail later that week and tried to talk with him again. I had the indictment, wanted to talk about the case, told him what the government was telling or saying that allegedly he had done. He was still drawing handguns, couldn't get through to him, stayed with him an hour, went back to the office. Next week, he wrote me a letter. The letter said, Birdsong, don't come back here. If you come back here, I'm going to kill you. Now, I still had my youngest child was in eighth grade at that time, and that was sort of shocking. I called up the prosecutor and said, uh, hey, we need to meet with the judge. I want to get out of this case. So we met with the judge, and I said, Judge Walton, Defendant has written me a letter saying he's going to kill me if I go back. Judge Walton said, well, you know, Birdsong, these guys say all that kind of stuff. You've been in a lot of big cases. You go back there and you get him this and start the insanity defense for him. Okay, Judge. Judge wouldn't let me out of the case. So I waited a couple of weeks and I went back and tried to get through to him. Couldn't get through. He didn't want to talk to me. Got back to my office a few days later, another letter from the D.C. jail saying, do not come back here, Birdsong, or I'll kill you. Again, I called up the prosecutor, said we need to get before the judge. I want to get out of this case. We got to the hearing before Judge Reggie Walden, and I said, Your Honor, please, you've got to let me out of this case. I still have kids in school, and this guy says he's going to kill me. He said, Birdsong, approach the bench. So I approached the bench, and he didn't want the whole courtroom to hear this. Prosecutor was there, too. He said, Birdsong, I'm going to let you out of this case. You know why? I know he wrote you a letter saying he'd kill you if you came back. But I'm letting you out of this case because he also wrote a letter to me that said, if you send Birdsong back again, he's going to kill me. So you're out of this case. So, I mean, <laughs> it was the craziest thing, but you don't usually get that with clients, but this fellow was really off his rocker. As it turns out, my knowledge, he never went to trial because he could never, they could never find if he was competent to go to trial. But those kinds of things happen when you work in criminal law. Let me now turn to some more tidbit stories that came in that my research assistant sent me over the fax machine. I've got a couple of um, 
sad stories here. The headline on this one, oldest in U.S. dies at 114. A New Jersey woman who was the oldest American has died at age 114. Adele Dunlop died Sunday in this month in, uh, in a hospital near Flemington, which is in New York State, according to the Martin Funeral Home. Nope, New Jersey. I'm sorry, it's New Jersey. She became the country's oldest person in July 2016 following the death of the 113-year-old Goldie Michelson of Worcester, Massachusetts. Now the oldest person is the 113-year-old Delphine Gibson of Huntington County, Pennsylvania. Dunlop's son Earl had no explanation for her longevity. She never went out jogging or anything like that, he said, noting that she smoked until her husband had a heart attack. I think she ate anything she wanted. All right, so that's so sad. Oldest woman dies. Now, some of you, and here's about about another death. I'm not reading the obituaries here. I'm just telling you some tidbit news that came in. Remember the comic Professor Irwin Corey? He was in the movie car wash and a lot of other movies comedian well the headline reads curtains for comic cory the story reads comedian professor erwin cory who billed himself as the world's foremost authority and and entertained audiences in comedy clubs and on tv and stage with rambling and nonsensical commentary has died at the age of 102 Corey died at his Manhattan townhouse in uh, this month. The comedian's daughter-in-law, Lean Corey, said, Corey's double-top shtick was uh, augmented by a shock of crazy hair, a tuxedo jacket with tails, a string tie, and high-top sneakers. He was hilarious. Sorry to have to say goodbye to comic Professor Irwin Corey. I loved him in the movie Car Wash. Maybe some of you saw that. Well, we're going to have to take another break, but let me um, say we've got a, a guest coming on. His name is Steve Klein. But let's let's read one more of these tidbit stories that the research assistants sent me. The headline, Drugs in Toys Arrests. The story, a narcotics ring was busted Wednesday for using the U.S. Postal Service to smuggle millions in heroin and cocaine hidden in packages of children's toys and exercise equipment. Bronx-based ringleader Ariel Lopez Acosta and 12 cohorts were indicted for shipping 4.5 million worth of heroin and cocaine from Puerto Rico, disguised in items like child bracelet making kits, and a box of purple dumbbells, according to the feds. As agents arrived to arrest Lopez Acosta, he unsuccessfully tried to flee. They reported seizing $100,000 in cash and $90,000 in jewelry from his Nelson Avenue home in the hybrid section of the Bronx. The arrests show no matter how clever smugglers think they are, Sooner or later, they knock on the door, or the knock on the door won't be the mailman, said federal agent Angel Melendez. Yep, the long arm of the law. Well, those are some news tidbits sent in. We're going to hear from Stephen A. Klein. He is the CEO of professional of the Professional Development Center. He speaks and facilitates 
internationally about the psychology of professional performance, productivity, and results, which include leadership, coaching, team building, success skills, sales, and communications. He's written a book called Sell When You See the Whites of Their Eyes. I want to talk to him about human performance. We'll be back with you, so stick with us to hear from Stephen A. Klein. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com. Now, back to Professor Birdsong for more Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us on the Leonard Birdsong Radio Show. I have a guest on the line, Stephen, Steve A. Klein. Uh, I said a little bit about him before we left and took the break, but uh, he, among other things, he conducts high-energy, high-impact sessions designed to engage participants with leadership, sales, and success skills. He also works with school systems to motivate students in the advancement via individual determination, or AVID program, which is a college readiness system designed to increase the number of students who enroll in four-year colleges in the United States. Steve, welcome to the show. Leonard, thank you for having me. Yep, yep, yep. Listen, um, I've read about you, I've heard about you, and I am tantalized by a headline that you wrote, Branson, Buffett, Bloomberg, why they're successful while people or while other people just as smart aren't. Can you tell us a little bit about what all this means? Why are they successful while other people just as smart aren't? We're talking about Branson, who owns Virgin Airlines, Buffett, who is the most wealthy investor in the United States, and Bloomberg, who has million dollars and was mayor of New York City, right? That's absolutely correct. 
uh, they do something that a lot of people don't do. And intelligence and getting a, a gift when you're born the way you are really isn't the key to becoming successful. It's focusing on what you want. When you take a look at those three individuals, including other individuals of their ilk, they focus, uh, Branson, one of the most, most uh, spectacular way he does it, he focuses on what he wants so uh, tightly that he makes it happen. And that's what mm-hmm. he is. It's a matter of knowing exactly what you want, getting a strong focus of it, and doing what it takes to do those things on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And Buffett, why is he such a great investor? Is he just lucky? He, uh, You can say luck goes into it, but um, luck is where preparation and opportunity meet. Uh, he prepares <laughs> himself. He finds the opportunity. Preparation and opportunity. I like that. That's right. Uh, he he wanted to become an investor. He wanted to become rich. He put the time and effort into the study and then the application of what it did, uh, what he had to do to become successful in doing what he does. Uh, and he's one of the first to admit that he doesn't know it all. But he mm-hmm. does the right study. He, um, uh, he, he Everything he touches does not turn to gold. He makes mm-hmm. mistakes. He just reduces the number of mistakes he makes, but it's because he's focused on what he wants to have and what he wants to do. So sort of what you're saying is there has to be an element of humility. Is that right? Yes, You may absolutely. be focused. You may yeah, you be can't... focused and you may meet opportunity, but you're not always going to win, right? Sometimes uh, you do make always. mistakes. As a matter of fact, you may, lo- you may lose more often than you win, but sometimes those wins are a lot, uh, a lot greater than the uh, losses. I mean, just to use an analogy from uh, sports, uh, the last ball player to hit 400 was Ted Williams, I believe it was about 1943, and that's only two hits out of, uh, out of every five. So three times out of five, he failed. Right. Uh, we've heard that uh, Babe Ruth had uh, more strikeouts than anybody, but also hit the most home runs. So, <laughs> Yes, right. I've heard that let one, the too. Losses hurt them. So you, you have to keep trying. You talk about there are seven attitudes of the rich and famous, and some unsuccessful people overlook these. What, what are some of these seven attitudes? One of the attitudes is um, uh, persistence, which goes along with determination, that stick-to-itiveness to make it happen. Um, Nike says, just do it. Well, they do it, they focus on it, mm-hmm. they know exactly what they want to do, and they don't waver from it. That's what's one of the major ones that, uh, that I believe are the keys for uh, an individual to be successful as far as the, um, as for the, as far as the attitudes. As I mentioned, that persistence and determination were, uh, were the two of the keys to decide what you want to have and make it happen. One of the interesting things I'll, I'll, I watch on TV is the uh, uh, some of the items they sell that are uh, as seen on TV items. Those items where you think to yourself, "Well, I should have invented that." Matter of fact, right. the last one I last one I saw about two weeks ago was an umbrella that that closes the wrong way. So right. when you get inside your car, you can pull it and it doesn't drop the uh, water in your car. First thing I yeah, thought, I saw I that. Have. I saw that myself. Right, and these are ideas that people had from a problem they had, and they turn the problem into a success for themselves. And that's what the persistence and determination does. Another one that goes along with that is, as I touched on it before, is the visualization. 
they get a they lock in to exactly what they want to have. They see it so vividly, their heart starts pounding to make it happen. And they hmm. get focused on it, and it happens. There was a, a few years ago in sports, there was a thing about visualization that basketball players had to visualize themselves making the basket, and they would practice this kind of thing. Have you heard of that with respect to sports? Oh, absolutely. Matter of fact, there was a study done probably 40 or 50 years ago, and they took two groups, three groups of students. One group of students, uh, students practiced shooting baskets every day for a month. The second group did no practice at all. The third group did not practice, but they visualized shooting the basket and making the basket every time. And interestingly enough, the group that visualized making the basket almost had the same results at the end of 30 days as the one that practiced doing it. So if you, <laughs> if you combine practice and visualization, seeing it actually happen, you can you can have outstanding results. Right, okay. So you got to start owning your goals. I think that's something you've written, right? Uh, absolutely. And it just it can't be something such as, well, I'm going to do this someday. No, you need to know exactly what you want to do. You need to know when you want to do it, and then you need to do something on a daily basis to make it happen. Some kind of action step. Get off your your rear end and do something to make it happen. I'd say that probably 90 to 95% of the people uh, that are listening or that are out there have the ability and the capability to be doing much more than they're doing right now. It's a matter of getting that focus. And one of the other key attitudes that successful people have is passion. Again, you go back yes. to uh, yes. Passion is, is very valuable. I know that. They want it so badly, they will move heaven and earth to make it happen. And with that passion, you can make outstanding things happen. Yeah, you know, Steve, um, I, I'm a law professor right now, and uh, I try to encourage my students. I, I've had a great career, and I was a bit passionate about it, and I've done well. Um, but sometimes it's hard to motivate people to have the same passion you do. Uh, I've tried to tell students, you know, I've had a great career, but, you know, you really have to study. You have to be prepared. And people say they're going to do it, but sometimes they just don't get around to it. And I get a little bit frustrated with that. Do you get frustrated with some of the people you work with? Absolutely, when they don't have the same kind of motivation. I'll, I'll answer that one in a moment. Let me go back to uh, to law. Um, both my uh, my grandfather was was an attorney. My father studied law. Uh, I wanted to be an attorney one time. I thought I thought being like Perry Mason was the way all attorneys are. Uh, <laughs> every case was sixty minutes long, and you won every time. That's right. But, That's a great. And you know why Perry Mason, the guy who wrote him, Earl Stanley Gardner, was a horrible lawyer. He never won a case, so he started writing books with his alter ego, who never lost a case. And, and look what became it, a million. How successful became. But as, as I watch, as I watch and I study attorneys, I see that it's it's more the attorney than the whether somebody is right or wrong. It's the belief of that attorney to if they're representing a uh, a defendant if their belief to get them off they they come up with ideas to make those things happen and that's one of the keys too is that when you're focused on something ideas come back to you but back to the yeah, question you asked go ahead Creativity is a word that I come up with. I tell students that I teach, I teach both criminal law and immigration law. You've got to be creative. You've got to come up with ideas to help your client. 
you know, you just can't, you just can't rely on the written code or what the words say. You've got to be creative. And it's a matter of programming your mind, putting a lot of information in for ideas to become, to begin to come to you because you never know where they're going to come from. And that creativity makes that happen. Sometimes you come up with ideas you had never thought of before. And that's mm-hmm. how successful people become successful. You'd ask me mm-hmm. a question a moment ago about uh, being frustrated when people aren't as motivated as you are. People mm-hmm. are motivated for their own reasons. They're never motivated by, by your reasons. If anybody looks at right. as, a, as a parent, they know that specifically because children are generally not motivated the way the parents are. So you need to understand what motivates that person. That comes that's part of management and leadership which means you need to get to know that person. The better you understand them, you know what, what fuels them, you know what makes them passionate. And once you understand that, once you know what someone wants, you can get them to do anything. What example and that, I... Uh, go on, I'm sorry, what's your example? The example was, um, I believe it was Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he and one of his farmhands were attempting to get a calf into the barn. One was pulling the calf and one was pushing the calf. The calf just <laughs> dug its heels and it wouldn't move. The housekeeper was inside. She came out, stuck her thumb in the calf's mouth, and the calf followed her right into the barn. <laughs> Way to motivate somebody is give them what they want. Yeah, give them what they want. I was just going to say, I guess football coaches are like that too. People who, coaches who come up with these, um, Award-winning teams in college and things like that—they have to get to know their their players and what they want and find out to help them, I guess, reach their success. Absolutely. Now I'm in Dallas, Texas, and about 20 years ago, the Dallas Cowboys were were a uh, Super Bowl-winning team as a result of Jimmy Johnson. His background right. is uh, psychology, and he said one time, "I treat my players all exactly the same." all differently. He realized that you can't <laughs> treat them exactly the same way when something happens. They all have different motivations, they all have different temperaments, and you have to understand the people that you work with, in that case his players and his coaches, so that he could uh, help, he could motivate them based on what they wanted. Now, fortunately, when you're right. on, a, on, a, uh, on a team, amateur or professional, everybody has a similar goal which is to win whatever the championship is. But there's other uh, pieces along that, along the line, that, that help you get there, and you need to know that player to help make those things happen. Right. Well, listen, we're going to take a break. Can you stay with me? I have a couple more questions I would like to ask you so our audience can hear. You're telling us some good stuff. Uh, can you do that, Steve? Uh, I will stay here for you. All right. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with you. You folks, just stay with us. We have more to talk with Steve A. Klein about. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. 
If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Yes, it is Leonard Birdsong back with you on Leonard Birdsong Radio. I'm talking to Steve A. Klein, and he is a professional, how would you say it, facilitator. He knows a lot about psychology. He knows the history and the, the psychology of professional performance. Steve, I'm glad you stayed with us. Two more topics I want to talk about before we have to let you go. And I'll just tell the two of them to you first of all and you decide how you want to go first of all you talk about people who can earn more money than others doing certain things that's one and how do you do it secondly i want to know more about this avid program the advancement via individual determination to get students ready for four-year colleges well let me talk about uh, can you talk about those two i'd love to talk about both of those uh avid i have a passion for uh, this is a program that I wasn't familiar with up until about two years ago. And I work with kids in the school system uh, to help them prepare for school. But the, the program is a six-year program for students from seventh grade to twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. Many of the students are, are middle-class to lower middle-class students that they would not go to school unless they were able to get a full scholarship to go to school. Mm-hmm. So for six years... They take a class every day, one hour a day for six years to help them understand how to learn, how to study, how to get focused, how to find the scholarships that are available. But it's really interesting. When I talk to some of these seventh graders, they already know what college they want to go to. That's now, good. I don't know about you, but back in the day, I didn't begin to prepare for college until I was a senior in high school. <laughs> well, I was about the same. I was actually a junior when I started really seriously thinking about it. And it's amazing. These kids are so focused on what they want. I think that's one of the keys to making this happen. And the success rate for the AVID program, and I believe it's a national program now, is is tremendous in getting kids into school that wouldn't have gotten there otherwise. And it's a shame that money is the reason why some of the kids can't go to school. Right. Uh, they're now getting the opportunity with this program to develop and learn, and I think it's one of the best things going now in the school system for kids to help them understand you don't have to be a genius. You need to learn how to study. You need to learn how to apply yourself, and that can help you gain the success you want to have after college. All right. Well, God bless you for doing that and working with the AVID program. What about the secrets to making more money, Steve? secret of making more money is knowing how much money you want to make, which is a, a key element, and then finding the the tool or the way to make it happen. I mentioned passion earlier, and that's a big part of it. Uh, assuming something is, is legal and ethical, if you're focused on what you want, you will find a way to make the money you want to have. Now, it may not happen overnight. It take, could take a long time to get there. The learning curve could be great. But you have to have the passion 
to do those things. Uh, yeah, I, I understand that. I've heard the old talk about it took me 20 years to become an overnight sensation. You've heard that, I'm sure. It's interesting. You, you can watch, uh, every once in a while, you can watch an actor in an old movie, and they have a bit part. And yep. these are the things they were doing before they became a star. They had to work their way up to it. Right? They look like an overnight success. It took them 20 years to get there. <laughs> um, one of the examples I think about that many people have heard of is uh, Colonel Sanders and his uh, his move to Kentucky Fried Chicken. He had a, uh, a restaurant uh, in Kentucky, and um, the county or the state uh, bypassed his restaurant to put a, um, uh, a highway in, and he lost all his business. He had right. for fried chicken that he believed was better than anybody else's. So he put a pressure cooker in his trunk, and he drove around the country going to restaurants, making chicken, and showing them that they could do the same thing if they <laughs> wanted to purchase uh, his franchise. And it took, he, was, he was 65 years old at the time. It took him months to make it happen. I believe the first uh, restaurant that purchased it was in uh, Salt Lake City. And from there, it took him a while to become successful, but he made it happen. Even at 65, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you have the passion for it, if you believe in it, you will find the money to make the things happen you want to have. That's number one. Number two, when you make that money, some of the best best things you can do with it is to give it away. And um, the um, Judeo-Christian ethic is uh, it's better to give than to receive. I'm a All big right. believer that you cannot give unless you have first. Yes, you want to I give understand away that too. Dollars, you have to have it. So sometimes when you're focused on the money you want to make, if you also have a plan for giving some of that away, that also fuels that passion to do the things necessary to get what you want to have. Right. Well, I teach at a Catholic uh, law school run by Dominican nuns, the Dominican Order, and among other things, we want to turn out ethical lawyers, but part of the Dominican tradition is giving back to the community and giving of yourself, and that's very important. So, Steve, I'm very happy to speak to you. I might have you on again. Um, I'm running out of time here. I would really like to read and know more about your book, too, sell when you see the whites of their eyes, but we're going to have to talk about that at another time, okay? That'll be great. All right, Steve. Thanks so much for coming on, okay? Thank you, Leonard. I enjoyed it. All right. We'll have you back. Okay, this is Leonard Birdsong. We just finished with Steve A. Klein, a motivator, the CEO of the Professional Development Center in Dallas, Texas. We are coming to the end of the show. I'm glad you stuck with me today. I think it was a pretty good show. You've heard some dumb news stories. We heard some news tidbits. You heard some things about Abe Lincoln you probably didn't know. And uh, we talked to Steve Klein about success and passion, what you have to do to become the best. Let's end with a few riddles. I always have some riddles on hand just to make sure we go out on a cute and happy note. Here's the first one for today. What do you call an elf with lots of money? What do you call an elf with lots of money? That's my first riddle. Have you thought about it? Well, you call an elf with a lot of money wealthy. Wealthy. Not wealthy, but wealthy. Okay? <laughs> what do you say about rocks? Well, here's something I read. When it comes to rocks... Never take marble for granted. You want to hear it again? When it comes to rocks, folks, never take marble 
for granted. <laughs> All right, that was too easy. Here's another one for you. Why are fish so easy to weigh? Why are fish so easy to weigh? Think about it. You probably know the answer. They're so easy to weigh because they come with their own scales. <laughs> yes, that is funny, Peanut Gallery. Finally got something funny, huh? All right. All right, it wasn't that funny. All right, here, a couple of more, and I've got to go. A couple of more, I said. What do you call someone who sticks his right hand in a T-Rex's mouth? What do you call someone who sticks his right hand in a T-Rex's mouth? You call them lefty. Yeah, that was that that was a bad one, I know. Okay, that was a bad one. All right, here I, I'm going to have to end it with this one. I want you to really think about this one because it's easy. Last riddle. If you have 10 apples in one hand and 12 in the other hand, what do you have, folks? Think about it now. If you have 10 apples in one hand and 12 in the other, what do you have? Answer, you have really big hands, folks. How about that, huh? <laughs> All right, the peanut gallery is going crazy over that one. All right, folks, this is Leonard Birdsong. This is Leonard Birdsong Radio. You can read some of my stories on my blog, www.birdsongslaw.com or you can go to my website leonardbirdsong.com to find out more about my books and the funny stories that I collect. It's been great being with you. I will be back with you next week. <laughs>